Ben Jowalski, what's going on? It feels like Christmas Eve here in the <laughs> Jowalski residence. Oh, that's right. Are you leaving town like tomorrow? Yeah, I'm leaving town as soon as I can organize the chaos. And I'm getting my, uh, my house kind of, well, first I'm preparing for the hunting season, which I have a long way to go there. I have a lot more meals to pack. I just, I have a lot, a lot of work to do. More work's cut out for me. And then I also, amongst that, need to kind of tidy up and at least get a few rooms and make them like crystal clean because one of my friends is going to be staying at my house for a few weeks in September because I'm going to be up in the woods. Um, so I need to make it, you know, inhabitable for someone other than myself. I mean, I keep it pretty clean and organized, but it's, uh, it's still, it's a different thing if someone's like coming and renting your house from you. So, Oh yeah. My house gets a special cleaning. Anytime I have a visitor, the, like the, you got to give the house a deep clean. You don't yeah. want people to think you're a slob, you know? Of course. Of course. I mean, spoiler, I am a slob for the most part, <laughs> but so be it. Uh, where are you going exactly? Well, I can't tell you that or it'd have to kill you. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll be going to the mountains of Colorado, probably about three and a half hours from here, uh, from here being Denver. And I, wow, man, this past weekend, I took my truck to a couple like potential locations. And I swear yesterday afternoon, I was in such a bad spot. Like I was on this crazy dirt road that had turned into this insane rock crawling thing i had no service it was just me and the two dogs dwindling gas and i thought for sure i was gonna like hit a rock and and break something on the car where i'd have to get rescued but i have no idea who would rescue me like and what, what would they do? They'd like come up and get me and the dogs and then just be like, all right, that truck will just stay here. Um, right. I was really, really worried. It was, it was a very tense detour for a few hours there. And then I didn't actually kiss it. But when I got back to the pavement, I literally like, you should have seen me. Like I pulled up, <laughs> I got, got on pavement. And just went, oh. Like it was just, it was the most tense driving situation I've ever been in. And then of course this morning I, uh, I had a shop down in Colorado Springs install full, um, basically body armor skid plates on the underneath of the car. One day too late, I might add, but uh, yeah. better late than never. See, it's what happens to get rid of the Tesla. I know, I know. I can do. I can. I can put it to you this way: I was driving on roads that a lot of people with like lifted Jeeps probably wouldn't even go on, but I, I was really surprised at how well it did. And, and of course I saw precisely zero elk on that particular, <laughs> on that particular loop. Cause it turned into like, all right, let me see if I can get to this spot. And then it just turned into, let's see if I can get off this mountain before tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, but I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, this is the most prepared I think I've ever been for elk season. I'm going to, go up to my buddy's house in Eagle, Colorado. I'm going to spend a couple of days there and then we are going to go live in the mountains for a couple of weeks, maybe a month. Who knows? How much hiking do you do when you're on these hunting trips? You get like, a, you like have to go deep in the woods for elk or you stay relatively close? Oh yeah. I was deep. Um, on any given day, like last year I was averaging about 10 miles a day. Hmm. Um, up to, up to some of the days that I had like, there was a couple of days there were 15 milers and wow. that's with a heavy pack and carrying a bow. And it's, it's gnarly. It's like over the next month, I will get so lean for Wadapalooza. And of course I'll gain it all back. But like at the end of this month, I'll be a little skinny, but I'll be ripped because you just burn so many calories. And even though I actually have prepackaged bags uh, and I'll go grab one here in a second, I actually have prepackaged bags. Um, filled with like 3,100 calories. Each bag has like all my bars and meals and stuff like that. And I like weigh and measure it all 3,100 calories. And it's like almost a job to eat that much uh, in the mountains, but still even eating that much, I'll still lose weight. That's, that's, that's like a normal Tuesday for me. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one thing when you're like, you know, sitting around at a computer doing banking stuff, you know, obviously, <laughs> uh, but it, but it, 
what I find is like when you're on these missions, when you're hiking, when you're moving, it's like, it's kind of difficult. It's, you can't just like sit in a chair and bake a pizza and chicken nuggets. Like I just ate, um, which was definitely a meal. It was cauliflower pizza. So there were vegetables. Oh. Um, but you can't just do that. Cause you're like moving, you're, you're looking, you're all, you have a mission. So like food is almost a distraction sometimes. So you have to remind yourself to eat. So that's why I have those bags. It's like, I know that it, if I get back to camp at night and I haven't finished every last calorie in that bag, I just got to force feed it. Well, let's talk about nutrition. Cause I wanted to talk about that. We're going to talk about training and training uh, for competing or training versus competition, however you want to view it um, and kind of break it down. But part of that is nutrition. And I've, uh, I've been training for Wadapalooza that apparently you're going to come in and one up me with your 12 pack. Uh, you're, you're just, just, calling your shot now but um yeah, just kidding by the time waterpalooza rolls up i'll be properly uh bulked again you're just gonna be walking around the shirt off all week of course most <laughs> people do the waterpalooza so i guess they wouldn't make you unique but uh <laughs> but anyway um yeah so i've started training for the gauntlet because it's a long workout and it's gonna be the heat and i'm old af so part of that is nutrition and counting uh macros and Damn man, like they, you know, I'm on I'm on round up to 2,200 calories a day is you know kind of my calorie count, and we'll talk about the macros in a minute. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to get 2,200 calories when you're eating really really clean, like chicken and rice. You know what I mean? Broccoli, like it's tough. And so I'm like trying to imagine 3,100 calories based on my current diet. Going, man, I don't know if I could do it. It's definitely calorically dense food. Like I have I have some like. Uh, perfect foods bars. I mean, those are like 370 calories a pop. Um, everything I eat, like actually, I just got these. Uh, Justin's, what is it? Chocolate. Oh, I love those. The, yeah. Like this, this right here is 200 calories just in this little tiny packet. So it's, I literally have a spreadsheet of uh, basically like calories per ounce or it's like hundred calories per ounce or something like that, where I literally have calculated like what is the densest food. So a lot of high fat, um, honestly getting protein is a little bit harder because there's less calories per gram of protein, but, um, but yeah, lots of fat, lots of carbs. And I do have an adequate amount of protein and I'm yeah. Eating is almost a full-time job. I mean, specifically for like, you know, like bodybuilders, like really, really big muscular bodybuilders and, um, and power lifters. I mean, eating is, honestly part of the job uh sumo wrestlers is another one i went to a sumo camp when i was living in tokyo and like like taught you what they do and it's essentially sleep eat train that's it and and eating is one of the most difficult things that they can do because in order for them to you know get up to 400 pounds maybe 450 like they have to just eat all the time if they're if they're not training or sleeping they are eating some sort of food it's crazy I need that life. You think so, but then it does get old. I'm, I'm it, sure it, gets old. It, it does get old. I get, uh, when I eat poorly, which, you know, I'm not going to play innocent. Like I eat great. Cause I loves me some pizza. Uh, but man, there's just always that, you know, and you're just, you're just, you don't want to get off the couch feeling. You know what I mean? It's the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why when I'm eating clean, I have a lot more energy. So I'm gonna get back to the training thing. So I've got, I'm on this nutrition plan and, um, I felt like it was the first thing I needed to go compete at Wadapalooza. Like if I'm really going to put my best effort, I've got to make sure I've got the right fuel in my body. Yeah. And here's why this is especially important for the fuel. I don't want to interrupt, but like Mm -hmm. the, for everyone listening, if you don't know the competition at Wadapalooza is unique because it is literally a one hour. I'm pretty sure that's what they allot to it. It's it's one hour of exercise. And within that one hour, they squeeze seven workouts, seven different tests. And they're not all like four minute tests here. Like there's a, like, I remember there was a Metcon where you, I think you were allotted 20 minutes. So like you have long Metcons, you have weightlifting, you have high skill gymnastics, you have um, single modality things like uh, assault bike sprints and ridiculous things of that nature. So for anyone who doesn't know, it's not just a traditional competition where you have maybe like three workouts spread over a a given day. This is all of the workouts squeezed into a one hour window. So it's very unique in that respect. Yeah, it's brutal. And, um, 
It's really brutal. I was looking, thinking of you when I was looking to workouts this week because I Aww. was looking at because you did it. Obviously, and did very well. And the it's such a tough workout because last year they did like a three rep overhead squat max, and then you had like a little I forget what it was, but there's like a little nine minute metcon after that. Then you had to do two minute all out sprint on the echo bike. Yeah, take a while. That's what my worst score was. Yeah, and then. <laughs> which I think is smart, by the way. And then uh, the next workout was like an 18-minute something. I'm like, man, that is just relentless. It was. It absolutely just real. And, you know, and then there was another thing after that. It was like, it was just dumb. Um, so my mindset was. was there's like four more things after that. Like, yeah, well, there's, there's a lot of stuff. Which there's is there's a, there's a more workout, bar muscle-ups, handstand push-ups. I mean, handstand walks. It was, Dude, it was I, – I really enjoyed it. I was surprised at how much fun I had. Well, your boy here decided I was, you know, if I'm going to do it, I have to eat right. Like, it's kind of that simple. It's like any other, you know, training. Like, I've run a marathon, you know, I've run a couple of marathons or half marathons and one marathon. And there's a lot of food that goes into that. And it's very structured. And, you know, this is, you know, felt like the same thing to me. But I've got, you know, essentially 90 to 120 days to be fully prepared. And my thought was, it's like, man, if I get there and my nutrition's not on point, I'm going to really look back with regret like that was would have been the biggest mistake because I'm not going to build enough, you know, strength in in a 90 day period to, you know, up a snatch or clean and jerk by a significant amount of weight. You know what I mean? But this I can fix. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say actually 90 days you're, you're knocking on the door of being able to make some pretty, pretty big strength gains. I would say like if, if that was your goal, like it's not like, I mean, you're a data guy. You're you tend to be prepared, right? So you're looking way in advance here. So you could act, you have a lot more flexibility with this much of a of a of a runway prior to the actual event. A lot of people when they scramble two weeks before an event, they're like, "Oh, how do I increase my my snatch?" It's like maybe a couple skill tweaks, but you're, you're really not going to increase it that much. But with however many months we have until January, or I think that's when it is, right? It's January. Mm-hmm. Um, you could, I mean, obviously with the nutrition being dialed in, that that helps. But uh, you could make some pretty significant leaps and bounds, uh, both in the strength and endurance and the skill side of things. Because well, that's I, reason. I, I don't disagree with that completely, but it doesn't seem beneficial for a workout like this. So I don't think is likely to be, you know, it's five workouts. Right. So it's like you, you, odds you're going to have one strength thing. And then everything else is going to be sprinting and long endurance cardio. And my, my thought was if I can properly fuel, get down to my kind of my best competition weight, which is lighter than I am now. So imagine like shedding, you know, some of the weight vest um, and maintain my current strength. I'll be fine. Yeah, sure. You know Especially because I mean? there was a, I think there was a, in years past and, and specifically the one that I did, there was definitely a, a pretty heavy bias to body weight. Like, yes, we had a heavy lift. All the other barbell stuff was relatively light, um, and it was very much skewed to the side of bodyweight gymnastics and, and you know, monostructural stuff. So well, I would I, definitely, in addition to the nutrition, I mean, one thing to practice maybe once a week or something like that is actually practice like a, a, a you know, kind of like a monster mash. I know is what some people call them. Like, that's what my Saturday and Sunday was. There you go. Oh, bro. Oh, my God. They were both so bad. Uh, I, with Tom and, and the other, the, the rest of the crew. Yeah, Jen and Tom. So Jen, uh, who's owner of uh, Chagrin Falls CrossFit, I think they're in the chat. And um, and then Tom, my doctor. So they're, they're handling the nutrition side. They own a company called B2Human. We'll have them on at some point so they can talk about it firsthand. But, you know, it's, it's more than just nutrition. Like we're measuring, and again, I'm the data nerd, right? So we are measuring a lot of stuff over this 120-day period. Um, you know, we did a sweat test on Saturday. Have you ever done one of those? No, but I hear Bean doesn't like it. Bean does not like it, and he needs to get out of here before I pour some water on his head. Being a jerk tonight. Um, anyway, uh, it's just like a little Gatorade patch, and you wear it on your arm during your workout, and, you know, this was a longer one. This one took us um, it was 40 minutes, give or take. And um, and then when you're done, you snap a photo of it with the app, with the Gatorade app, and it, you know, measures, um, you know, sodium loss, sweat, all of that. It's really, really cool and gives you 
guidance around what your hydration plan should be for a workout like that. What the, the concept of this, of these guys being, you know, you're about to go do an hour long workout in the Miami heat and wanting to figure out, you know, what your proper, um, you know, recovery and, and, uh, hydration is important because it's along with the nutrition side, I got 120 days where I can get a rhythm with that, you know, yeah. get, get it right and, and be fully prepared. And I've made, you know, I'm saying this from the, my personal experience of doing several long races and not hydrating properly and having a couple of scary moments Oh in, yeah, in live competitions. Now this one's probably won't happen, but it's still South Florida. It could be it's definitely not- good uh, with the, I mean, I really lucked out with my heat time uh, last year, but I know, you know, uh, Savannah did it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And when she did it, her heat was in the middle of the day. Oof. And she was doing, you know, burpee box jump overs on black mats on a black box in 92 degree South Florida humid. Like it was right. miserable just watching. Like it was actually miserable just standing there. I couldn't imagine exercising. So I do think that it's something to, that you can play around with. Obviously, it's going to be difficult to expose yourself to that level of humidity and heat in Cleveland. But it's uh, it's definitely something that you'll be able to take into account. I mean, you're doing all the right things now. It's like, all right, what are things that could go wrong in this one hour time block? Um, and how can I prevent them from going wrong? Or like, what steps can I do and take to, you know, to think of all the issues and make sure that I have a backup plan? Like, you know, will I have an extra jump rope? Will I have, cause you're not going to have tons of time to like fix it. Right. You, you have these very short transition windows. Um, Will you have enough hydration? Will you maybe have like a, a little mix, uh, carb mix in a drink or something like that? Like I would definitely, because there was a couple workouts where you had like a good 10-minute rest yeah. or five-minute rest in between stations. It was like I would I should have had something like that where I could have been sipping on it in the middle and just kind of like not only refueling those electrolytes but maybe getting a little, little bit of carbohydrates in you because it is a long effort, especially for CrossFitters. We're not used to working out hard for over 20 minutes, let alone an entire hour where out of that hour, you're probably working hard for 40 minutes of it. Well, it's been a, it's it's been an interesting, you know, it's only been just a few days at this point of like really measuring um, macros very closely. And then this hydration protocol that they've got me on, but it's, you know, like the initial results, like I, as soon as I took that test, it was like, all right, you need to drink this much, you know, uh, water with electrolytes, oh, you know, or electrolyte drink. Keep in mind, it's owned by Gatorade, so maybe that part's BS. But then it's like you should also get in, you know, X amount of protein within the next hour. You know, so I'm leaving the gym, and I go grab a Gatorade, uh, zero sugar. I might add, you're welcome, Glassman, and um, a protein shake, and kind of drink them both. And I was telling Jen, the coach, this the next day, I'm like, I actually felt pretty good. Like it, I start. I felt like I was recovering. Isn't the right word, but I felt like I was replenishing energy quicker, you know? And, um, so then the next day when I went to the gym and we did a second brutal, like back to back brutal day is like really long stuff you might expect at the gauntlet. Um, I had brought a protein shake with me and did the same thing. As soon as the workout was over protein shake. And again, like I started to feel that, energy coming back far quicker than it normally does for me. Cause I'm the kind of guy like I won't eat or drink anything for a couple hours after the gym usually. Hmm. And it's been a big difference maker for me this week. So, you know, in the last I've done that now the last, you know, four or five workouts. And, you know, I feel like from a recovery standpoint, it's really helping me. Yeah. Again, it's, it's one week's worth of data. So as long as, long as you feel like it's helping, um, yeah. it's interesting because there's quite a bit of evidence or I, I believe most recent evidence points that like the protein window was like far overblown. Um, and really there isn't, isn't as much uh, of an issue to fit in certain macronutrients in a specific window, unless there's multiple efforts in that given day. For instance, like let's say you have a workout at nine and then you have a workout at noon. It is important to kind of like time, basically time it as soon as you possibly can after the workout so that you have time to digest before the next one, so on and so forth. But bottom line is like, you need to use your body and use your, like you have so much time to prepare for this 
hour long beat down. You don't necessarily know what all the movements and workouts are going to be, but you do know what it's kind of going to look like. And you can now use your body as like a human Guinea pig and try, <laughs> you know, like, what does it feel like fasted? What is, we actually have a, a comment, like, you know, should I compete on a carnivore diet diet? You know, it, you don't know until you test, like how to, some people do super, super long, uh, triathletes, Ironman, stuff like that. Um, in ketosis, like some people thrive on that. And then for other people, that would be an absolute freaking disaster for them, but you don't know until you try it. So, um, you have a lot of time to try different things, John. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. And you know, I don't think the app or even, uh, nutrition coaches are saying, Hey, you got to get in these calories, immediately following workout because you got to replenish protein. You know, I think that was just a suggestion that you'd be better off, you know, getting this much in. And, you know, for me, because I don't normally don't eat anything in that window, I felt more. So I, I haven't looked at it and thought, all right, well, I'm going to put on more muscle because I'm getting 26 grams of protein within a 30 minute window. Like, oh, no, it's 32 I, minutes. I'm losing yeah. gains. Uh, well, you know, and you hear all the old wives tales or whatever. Oh, if you take in more than 30 grams of protein, you just pee out the rest. I'm like, what? Like, what? No, no. Pretty sure it's yeah. not peeing either. Yeah. <laughs> or get come well. Yeah, I guess. But anyway, um, so I guess my point, like we're talking about training and competition and, um, I'm with you. It's 120 days to be the guinea pig. And I think that's kind of the point is finding what works. And right now, like what they have me doing is, far more carb heavy than I'm used to and more fat heavy than I'm used to. Interesting. And I've, um, I mean, I'm struggling to get in the fats. Mm, hey. Like, it's, you know, like, well, yeah. And Justin's it, peanut butter packets. I know. Well, I've, I've did that. some. I messaged in the night and I'm like, man, I'm like off 40 grams in fat. I guess I got to eat some peanut butter, you know, why not? Let's, let's jump in. But I think it is, um, you know, kind of tweaking it to see what's going to work for me to get, get through Wadapalooza. And, uh, I'm also not drinking. So that kind of sucks. I'll make up for that in Wadapalooza. <laughs> Life but. is dull. Uh, yeah, we'll have plenty of drink. Remember, do you remember at Wadapalooza, uh, this past year where we were, some might argue intoxicated before 10 AM? Oh, not me. No, I do tequila shots for breakfast all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, what is going on? That was such a terrible day. No, yeah, where were we? We were at that bar. I was just like, guys, this is not going to be a good start to the day. Like, no, it's fine. This is fitness nutrition. We're talking about nutrition. Where did? What was the name of the place? Do you remember? Oh my gosh, that it had a funny name. Horrendous restaurant. It was bacon something. I think bacon it was bitch. Bacon bitch. Yeah. Bacon bitch. Yes, that's what it was called. And they had these uh, waitresses dressed like they were Hooters waitresses, which I guess was their thing. I don't know. I mean, you know, hey, you know, work where you want. It's just like, just felt like a weird thing, brunch and booty shorts, you know? It and then you and your party knew the person that was giving us the tequila shots. How many rounds of tequila shots did we get? Two or three? Too many. Just too many. That That's a blanket answer. All, all I remember is leaving that restaurant, that establishment, looking down at my watch and being like, what, how... How is the rest of this day going to go? Well, I think, uh, I, yeah, I remember I wasn't trying to drink on that trip either. I was like, I was, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was working on some nutrition stuff at the yeah. time. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go through Miami without drinking. And that was a total lie to myself. And it'd be a lie if I said I was doing it again this year that I'm drinking when we get down there, but I'm not <laughs> drinking currently because it doesn't fit my macros very much. But speaking of like training versus competing, uh, mm -hmm. I've, I've talked about, you know, I, I mentioned actually without even like realizing that was today's subject is like you treat yourself as a guinea pig. And I think that's what's so important in training is training is where you take risks or tweak things about your nutrition, about your rep scheme, about your gear, about your alcohol consumption. I mean, heck, how do you know that? alcohol before a workout is a bad idea the only way you're going to know is if you try it so maybe tried it. <laughs> I tried it. so what's so cool about training is like i you can use it as a time and place to take chances and take risks oftentimes i see people in crossfit gyms and we've talked about this with our recent wad prep pro launch everybody goes to the crossfit gym and they just try to beat everybody else on the whiteboard and that's it they all they do is they they work out to get their best score ever. 
And something that I know CJ writes, and he, I know he's going to be one, one of our guests in my absence in mm-hmm. September. But one thing that CJ does all the time is he will write specific rep schemes. Be like, you need to do this part unbroken. Okay. At, like that is the point of the workout. So adjust all other stimulus to do this unbroken. And I'll practice um, touch and go reps. So he'll practice stuff that won't necessarily get you your best score time-wise. However, it's going to help you practice so that maybe one day it will. And I think that's really cool about like the actual training is this is your chance to see what something different is like. Like whether it's like, for instance, if I was practicing grace, I might see if I could get a better score doing uh, 20 reps unbroken into 10 reps unbroken. See if that is better for me than doing 30 singles you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't do that. If all you're always trying to do is go the conservative route and say, I'm going to try to get my best score. So that's, that's what I really like. And with you, John, having that, however many months away we are from the competition right now, it's just like, it's the perfect time for you to change one variable. I would only change one variable at a time. Um, but change one variable, see how it goes, take some notes, have a training journal, and then, and then apply what works and get rid of what doesn't. And I think that's the problem for a lot of people when it comes to competition day. And sorry if you can hear Murphy. He's chasing a squirrel in his dream in the background. Murphy, get the squirrel. Get it. Um, or it could be a cow. We just got back from a weekend of cows and chipmunk chasing. So people, when they compete, they'll have like this, this competition the next day. And so what do they do? They go to bed way earlier than normal. They eat a breakfast that's three times bigger than they normally do. They um, maybe take supplements they weren't ever going to take. They try new – like they will change so many different variables because it's competition day and it, they view it as this like special occasion when in reality a lot of people would do so much better if they just treated competition day as a normal day of working out where they just need to eat a, maybe a little bit more calories. And I think I see that a lot in the open is people will will do like a Friday night late Friday night lights or something like that, but they're used to training at five in the morning and they wonder why they feel so terrible during right. the open. It's like competition is that you should have already tested most things and all the different variables, pre-workout nutrition, rep schemes, gear. So competition is where you you stay in your comfort zone and then you just push the effort to the max. Um so yeah. No, that makes sense. And that's where uh, doing some of that with the training, like, um, you know, you said just change one variable, but one of the variables we're looking at and that I've been looking at is taking on objects or, um, machines that I don't normally work cause they could show up, you know? Yep. So you, you could break it down to simply saying, do the things you don't like to do. Right. Yeah, that works. It's a great strategy. If you want to get better at CrossFit, that one liner is key. Do do things that you don't like doing more often. Well, I did them all this weekend. We uh, One of the workouts, uh, we got to pick the machine. So I'm like, well, let's do a ski erg because I don't ski erg much. You yep. know? And, and I have to get good at it. And then it was a long workout, so I knew it would be a lot of ski erg. <laughs> and it was. Uh, and then the next day, we did a workout that had a boatload of uh, sandbag cleans and sandbag lunges, which I'd actually never done before um, in any capacity. And, uh, it was brutal. You know, I don't like them. They're dusty and, and, uh, heavy as hell, but, but you know, if they show up now, at least I know what it feels like. I'm pretty sure there were ski ergs in the gauntlet last year. Mm-hmm. And that was the, that was the second workout I had ever used a ski erg, like not even like second competition, second workout ever. I had used a ski erg once ever previously um so you could definitely tell if there's any footage of that it is woof, it is rough well it's always interesting to me like you know i have a ski erg at home so it's even more criminal that i don't do it enough but um my form's all over the place mm. you know what i mean like i'm swimming like you know doing big circle sometimes sometimes i'm pulling it back like skis but i'm going all the way back to the himalayas behind me you know, sometimes I'm reaching as high as I can possibly reach and as low as I can possibly go. And other times I'm sitting there just jerking those things like a 16 year old boy. It's, just, it's terrible. <laughs> oh, it's man. terrible. I should probably I, cut that before we put this on Apple. Um, 
<laughs> anyway. I, uh, man, I can't recover from that. I had a point. Oh, I was going to say, I like to use mine as a tricep extension. I just sit there and try to get a nice yeah, yeah, that works too. pump. That absolutely well, works too. The know? dual tricep push down extension thing. Well, my point, my point is, is like, you know, I, I forget how many rounds I ended up doing in this workout. It had to have been elite. We were, had it broken into 15s, 15 calories at a time. So it's a little over a minute for me. And, um, I want to say I did four or five, we got four or five rounds of rowing in over the course of this workout. And every round I'm like, like every fourth strokes different than the others. I'm like, man, I guess why you got to work on it. Yep. You know? Yeah. Just, yep. just sucked. So anyway, so we're trying to, that's one of the variables we've changed. It's like adding in those objects, um, and then, you know, from a kind of a scale and bail standpoint, uh, I'm taking your advice, even though I'm not going to tell you you're right. And I'm, I'm basically doing CrossFit four days a week at my affiliate, but I'm scaling it. So regardless what the RX is, I'm pulling it back because I'm adding in two additional workouts a week. One of which is guaranteed to be gauntlet esque, like really long, you know, mm -hmm. to prepare me for that. And so getting in those two extra sessions and what's arguably going to be at least another full hour worth of fitness, probably, if not two hours in some cases, like it was this weekend, I feel like those other four, I have to pull back quite a bit. Yeah. How does you know? your, how do you feel? Like, I mean, is your body? Uh, no, yeah, beat? not bad to be honest. Like the only, here's the hard part about scaling is when you know you can do more. And you're, it feels like you're cheating to some degree. And, you you know, the ego, it's hard to keep your ego in check. Looking yeah. around and everybody else is doing 135. And I know I can too and still compete. And then at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but my volume's more right now. So here's an example of what I did today. We had um, co they programmed, they called it light, light double DT. So 10 rounds of DT is the, the workout. Um, the RX was 115. I think for the women, it was 85, which is what I did. Because mm -hmm. what I ended up doing, instead of doing it for time and doing it at their 115, I was like, I want to practice barbell cycling and breathing with the barbell. And at 85 pounds, I can move that barbell pretty quick. You know, because breathing is a, a struggle for me. And I was also looking at, uh, the you know, their weight at 115 it was, I knew it was going to be far too heavy basically what I do in these situations for AMRAP or for a workout like this one, I calculate total weight moved mm. and I forget the exact total weight, but if you did five rounds of normal DT at 155, which is the RX, you would have moved, we'll call it 4,100 pounds of weight over all the reps. If you did 10 rounds at 115, it was actually a thousand pounds more. Oh yeah. Believe it. You know? And so I'm like, all right, well, I need to find a weight that's measurable versus, DT where I wanted to be. And so I pulled it all the way back to 85 to get me close, mm -hmm. you know, over 10 rounds and it sucked. But to your point, I don't feel beat up now. Yeah. I think one of the hard things to do for people who go to a traditional gym and just, again, do the whiteboard training is one, they like to, you know, compete every day in the sense of always trying to get the best score. But two, they compete every day by always giving 100%. And that's another thing that CJ programs for us inside of Watt Prep Pro is percentage-based effort or, or perceived effort where it's like, hey, today you're, you're going through this 30-minute AMRAP at 80% pace or 75%. And it's just like, what? Like, it's crazy to not try to go as fast as possible, but it's a, it's a skill and it actually really helps you move with higher quality and especially when it's woven into your normal training schedule and training program, it's a great way to stay not beat up. So I'm very curious about this topic because I just had this discussion with the master's athlete at my affiliate and I'm dying to know what your answer is. Cause I know what I told him. It's probably terrible advice on my part. <laughs> so how many days a week should you be given or a month or any time frame? Should you be giving a hundred percent effort? And on those other days, how much should you be pulling back to just, you know, broadly speaking? No, oh, man, that's, that's, a, there's so many, it depends woven into that, but just give me your biggest depends. Let's, let's say hundred percent max effort, uh, again, assuming 
varied exercise, not the same thing. I would say like a couple times a week. That's about it. That's all I got. And that's a that's really a shot in the dark. I would ask CJ about that when you have him on the show. Mm, maybe I will. When you, are you thinking of Masters athletes for that? Or are you thinking someone that's just a baby like you? Um, I mean, that's kind of a generalization for for everyone. Um, yeah, a couple times a week. And when I say max effort, I mean like like I'm talking yeah, laying on laying on the floor in the workout. Like laying, yeah, laying on yeah, the floor. Red line. Yeah, redlining. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say a couple of times a week. Yeah, so I'll tell you, again, I'm only speaking for me. This isn't necessarily advice, but I'm telling you what works for me. So I told the guy the workout was over. And it was a hard workout. And he's like, why aren't you laying on the floor? <laughs> you know, and I said to him, because I was only given 70% effort. And he like looked at me weird. And I'm like, bro, I don't go to redline anymore. Like I go to redline maybe once every two weeks. Yeah. Because I need to remember what it feels like because the open's coming. And the opens three weeks, once a week, if you're only doing it once, of getting that red line. Like you got to, you have to know how to get to the dark place. But if you do it every day, you know, you're really going to impact performance. So I do it maybe right. once every two weeks at the most. And then the rest of the workouts, I never get above 90% ever. I usually hover somewhere between 75 and 85 and tell myself through the entire thing, you're training, not competing. Yeah, that's a good mantra to repeat to yourself because it's so easy to forget. Um, yeah, for me, I, I especially back in more and more competitive days. I mean, you know, last week, how many times did I go to max effort? Zero. Week before that, zero. This week, probably zero because I'm just hiking a bunch. Um, but the like, actually, when I go and hit sessions at the gym, yeah, there's normally I think maybe one or two times per week where, yeah, I just lay it all on the floor for that specific Metcon, or let's say it's like a, uh, one rep max, uh, or, a or a, basically a maximal effort lift of some sort. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's important to, to expose yourself to it, but I, I do think that while we, we have kind of differing views, the one thing we do agree on is not every day and the old school CrossFit mantra is like, let's meet pukey every day. Like, how hard can we make it and who's going to lay on the ground for a longer period of time afterwards, you know? And it just, it, it has its place in time, but it, it shouldn't be every single day because I don't think it promotes proper recovery. It probably doesn't promote proper pacing. Like even athletes at the games, right? Like they will win events and they're not necessarily, they didn't necessarily redline to win the dang thing. Um, well. I, I don't think we have differing views for the record. I'm only speaking for what's currently working for me, but um, I do think master's athletes should take into account when you go. Cause I think to your point, I probably could go to the red line twice a week and be okay. That's assuming I'm a good CrossFitter and have good form and I'm not going to potentially injure myself. And that's where I have meet again, speaking for me, I've traditionally had some sort of tweak or injury or whatever is when I'm going to redline and my form goes to crap, you know, and there are a lot of people out there that can go to redline and their form doesn't change that much. I'm not one of those people, you know, I just, I, I know my limitations, not that my form's stellar anyway, but you get the point. Yeah. So I don't think we're that, that far off in our opinion, yeah. but you're the pro, not me. I'm just going to keep doing my 75% each day and feel good about myself. No, I keep doing it. And, um, a commenter just mentioned that uh, when they program, they uh, prescribe a stimulus or and a percentage. So they describe what stimulus and have a specific percentage. So Jim that I used to go to that's a little bit west of here in Denver, um, uh, CrossFit Vantage, and I, I still drop in from time to time. Love that place because uh, Coop, the guy who writes the programming, who's fantastic at it, he writes workouts where basically every time there's a barbell or, or something that can be percentage based, he does it percentage based. So it's crazy because I'll be working out next to, let's say a, uh, a soccer mom that started CrossFit last week. And we'll like, assuming they have a percentage established, we'll still finish the workout at roughly the same time, even though I'm cleaning 185 pounds for reps and she's cleaning the trainer bar for reps we're still finishing at the same time, which I find magical. Like that's awesome. We're getting similar stimulus because percentage work scales up 
for the athlete who needs it and scales down for the athlete who needs it. Yeah. So not everyone can pull it off, but it, it, I think it can be used very, very well at an affiliate rather than just prescribed made. Because let's say that workout has cleans and it's prescribed weight of 135. And because that's for like maybe the, the general population, I can come in and move that weight super easily. And it's like not even a hard workout. Right. So it's, it's interesting how like there are sometimes like, oh, program a percentage. And I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> like, how, how heavy am I supposed to be doing that? Uh, and sometimes it's off. Like, you know, there's one time where they programmed a percentage based clean. And they're like, yeah, you should probably be doing this uh, set of 15 and like, you know, one to two sets. And I'm like, excuse me, I will be doing singles. Is that OK? You know, like that's a dude 225 pounds or some nonsense. And uh, but as long as as long as the, the workout is somewhat intelligently programmed, it really, really does a good job. And I think people from a wide array of spectrums of abilities can, can really get a great workout in. I love percentage-based programming. Love it. Um, uh, we use Wattify, and it, it will tell you what your percentages should be. Which is so, like you know, they they'll program, you know, do their normal programming. But if you have like um, I don't know, like the other day we were doing strict presses, and so I was like, you know, the coach wasn't programming where you should be exactly, but I asked him, I'm like, how, where should I be on this? It was like four by eight, if I remember right, and he's like around seventy percent. And I'm like, all right. And I didn't know if that was high or low for that kind of a rep scheme, but I had Wattify to go to and it could do the math for me. And I knew my one rep max and it told me to do what the weight was. And it was pretty damn accurate because it was all I could do for that. You know, so yeah. it's interesting. I want to circle back to something you said. Um, you said you'd be hiking a couple of days and that effort, uh, you know, or that, uh, you know, going to red line would be zero for you for those days do you ever look at the volume like you meant also mentioned earlier it's like a 10 mile hike and a 15 mile hike like do you view that as zero or do you count that in as like kind of a different type of red line like a volume red line oh from a from a red line perspective i view it as like when i when i think of the term red line i think of essentially a pace at which you can't hold on before collapsing essentially right. for, for more than let's say a minute or something like that. Like that's what I deem redlining. So like redlining is like you come to the end of a workout and then you put absolutely every bit of effort that you can until failure occurs. And whether that's failure in form, whether that's failure in being able to complete the rep or failure in, you know, you blackout. I don't know. Uh, that's never happened to me, but, or cramping up or, or sure. you know, whatever. So while I won't be going to red line in the woods, absolutely I will be accumulating volume. And that's why I really haven't been to the gym very much to train because I'm not in the window anymore where I can like get more fit for this. It's more of like when you don't have to work out, don't because you need to be recovering because these 10 to 15 mile days will put a crazy amount of wear and tear on my feet, on my knees, on my hips, on my, all my leg muscles, my core, my shoulders, because I'm heavy carrying a heavy pack. Hopefully there's going to be a couple, um, you know, five mile round trip efforts with a hundred pounds plus in the backpack going one way because it'd be loaded down with meat. Like I fully am prepared to face, or I I think I'm prepared. I'm mentally prepared to face the most challenging physical feat of my entire life. And that would be packing out a, a big elk, um, for multiple miles on, on terrain that doesn't have trails on it. Like that's going to be the hardest physical demanding thing ever. But that's the thing about walking. You don't really redline um, because you can always pretty much take one step and put it in front of the next. So that's, it's so interesting. Um, You learn about pacing when you're doing that. So if, if I have a really fast pace, then I'll get to the point where I have to stop. But if I, if I keep a nice, slow, steady pace and just put one foot in front of the other, other I feel like I can go all day long. Um, and I literally will move all day long. So it's just an interesting thing about like pacing. When it comes to hiking, it, we're just talking about like half a mile an hour changes. Can you do this for six hours a day or could you do this for 20 minutes a day? Sure. Uh, so, so interesting how playing around with the pacing m- makes you last a lot longer. In terms of, of allocating for volume 
no, because this, this is no longer training, right? This is what I would call the competition. So I hike however far I need to hike, but I do know that I'm going to put myself in position to hopefully not have to break the 10 mile mark every single day. Because a lot of people, they're classic failures. They get, get into the elk woods, they send it, you know, 12 miles, 15 miles, 12 miles. And then three days in, they're absolutely trashed. Blisters on their feet, you know, rolled ankles, injured, like bloody, you know, like they're just right. injured. And then that prevents them from finishing out the rest of the season. So for me, it's like if if I'm ever trying to keep up with a hunting partner rather than be like, like I'm going to keep up and I'm going to, you know, walk as fast as I can to keep up with Gary or I'm going to, you know, walk as fast as I can just because I can, I'm always going to be like, nope, let's turn it down two notches. Like if I can, if I can hold the conversation even though we won't be talking because that would be zero way of the animals. But if I could hold a conversation, that's a good sign that um, I'm, I'm walking at approximately the right pace. Well, I just I just think of accumulating volume, kind of like I've been thinking about this red line. Like you've got you got the red line for your sprint. You know, so let's just say you go do Fran, and you can go as hard as you can for two. You know, however long it takes you for you is two minutes for me, it'd be more like five. You know and or however long it would take and when you're done you're laying in a heap on the ground legs hurt grips gone dying and then for the next 15 minutes you pay for it or you could pull and if you do fran a second time you're probably still kind of in sprint mode and you can still get to that place but if you do it a third time back to back to back now you're in volume and so now i you know i think of that in terms of my week of going, all right, right now I've added in two workouts. How much work should that, how much work is too much before I've got to start determining longer rest days, changing up the training. And so that was kind of my question about the walking 50 miles is a long, it's a lot of work, you know, and it's a lot of hours spent working. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully there are zero 15 mile days this year. That's the game plan. Um, But yeah, it's a, it's a ton of work. And that's why I mentioned like eating is a full-time job almost um, on those days, but so is foot maintenance, like making like as as soon as you think about maybe potentially blisters developing, you stop and take care of it. You're not about to do a toe spacers ad, are you? Because they didn't pay a squat. (laughs) No, 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 I didn't do toe spacers to the woods. uh, I think you can make a lot of money on OnlyFans with your feet though. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was told I was told booty picks, but um, I'll oh, consider it foot, feet, and booty. I'll, I'll take it into account. Your two best attributes—is that what they are? Yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, this thirty-one hundred calories a day you're eating while you're doing this, um, and you, you know, you said it's really hard. Are you changing? Like, I know it's different than what you eat during the week, but are you? Have you structured the macros to fit that? Kind of like I'm you know, I've changed my macros to go into this competition or is it just, Hey, I just got to get the calories in. No, I, I, I do pay attention to the macros. Let me pull it up really quick. Actually. Um, I have a spreadsheet that I made that I think people would, you would actually get a kick out of this. Savannah's on. She give you a little hug on the screen. Say hi, Savannah. Hi, Savannah. Savannah's um, the vice president of, uh, customer happiness at wad prep she's not the vice president she is the president of she also says ben has especially pretty feet which we'll off air we'll discuss how she knows that but i'll That's, take her other word i'll remind me never to wear flip-flops around Savannah. <laughs> she was creeping um hey, you never know looking at so here i have a day where it actually shakes out to 3260 calories 122 grams of fat, 387 grams of carbohydrates, and 133 grams of protein. And that day cost me $30.21, and it weighs two pounds, one ounce. It's lower in the protein I thought you would be. Any reason for that? Uh, Honestly, because you you have to bring more weight of protein for more calories. So, like, Hmm. high-calorie food is going to be that fats. Um, And then – what you're actually using as you're hiking, carbohydrates. Like when I'm moving, it's carbs, 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 right? Um, and then recovery is where that protein is comes into play and is used. So, yeah, I would I, like I've actually played around with like adding a scoop 
for 25 grams more of protein. Um, but the bottom line is I will like, I'll lose muscle. Like I, I know that for a fact, I will lose muscle while I'm out there. The main thing is, is will I have the muscles fed with the carbs to keep moving? Um, and will I have the calories to refuel my body, which really is like these high density fat packets are really, really helpful for. So it, it probably could be optimized a little bit more, but it, if I brought a ton of jerky, that's just hard to digest. It's hard to bring enough to actually make a difference in terms of your total. Like if I try to really up the calories and the protein, um, and you know, and not increase my weight, then my calories are going to go way, way down. Um, so it's just always so interesting to me how, you know, um, macros and calories, everything's it's so tailored to an individual, you know, and, and the goals you're trying to achieve. So in this case, you kind of, have, you know, two things you're working with, three things, really, if you count, you know, you've got to protect space too, since you're Correct. Be carrying space a Space and weight are, are very key here. See, that'd be my problem. I'd have a backpack full of Rice Krispie treats and they take up so much space, but they're really light. So it's a weird trade-off, but. Lots of calories, marshmallows, butter, sugar. Can't go wrong. Maybe you could find a helium-injected Rice Krispie Treats. That would, feel, <laughs> that would be amazing. Have a weightless backpack. This has nothing to do with your training, but when you're out on this thing, where, where, where are you guys staying? Are you, like, in a cabin? Is it, like... Tent. Are you glamping? No. You no. bring a tent. Like a pop-up tent? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm carrying a, a spike tent, but, yeah, like, it, you basically, it's got two poles and... It fits uh, me and my two dogs, and it'll just be me. Dogs aren't coming hunting. They're not very good at it. Mm. Um, or they are. They just make too much noise. And, yeah, so I'm, I'm carrying backpack. I'm carrying water filter. You basically carry your life for a few days on your backpack. I feel like I need I need photographic evidence of this tent once you have it set up. I need to see this. because Oh, you're going to love it. It's pink. Is it? Yeah, it's a pink tent because I, I went to the uh, mountaineering store in Boulder, Neptune Mountaineering. And they have like some hunting tents. They, they have a bunch of tents and they were kind of out of the hunting tent that I wanted, which is made by this, this really expensive brand Hillenburg. And they were like, actually like, I mean, if you're in the market for Hillenburg, you should check out Samaya. It's like a, a Swiss Alps, like top of the line, like more waterproof, lighter. It's like the best of the best. And I was just like, all right, cool. You know, like I'll take their two person tent and it comes out and it's freaking pink. I'm like, do you guys have the blue one? They're like, nope. I'm just like, eh, whatever. Like, I'm not waiting. I need it today. I need it tomorrow. So I got it. And it's it's a really sweet tent. It's nice. I'm I'm at that place in my life, Ben, where, you know, I was raised in the South and I've done a lot of hunting and, and camping and fishing and whatever. And I'm at that place in my life where I still think I'm that outdoorsy guy, but I know I'm not that outdoorsy guy. And I'd probably die in the woods with you in a, <laughs> in a pink tent. And that'd be my tombstone. Here lies John, died in a pink tent, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it was cool. Like the uh, last, no, two nights ago, I mean, Murph, Maddie, and I, we hiked to the top of this ridge. There, we weren't, I mean, there wasn't another human being within probably, I don't know, 10 miles of us, maybe, maybe more. Hiked all the way to the top of this peak and like pitched my tent and it was storming. And I mean, it, it's cool. You're just, you're literally living in nature. Like that's it. You just, you and your bear bare bone essentials living in nature. And with me, I have my best friends, my dogs. So it was great. And then this season I'll be going like with another human being, my buddy Gary. And then my brother uh, Drew is flying out, but uh, yeah, it's, it it really makes you like you, it's very similar to CrossFit in a way where like, you really have to be strategic because you need to figure out how far can you go? Where are you setting up? How much you bringing on your back? Like it, it very much ties into like what kind of gear do you bring and what's your rep scheme and like all this pre-planning that I like to geek out about when it comes to CrossFit. And I think that's what makes me like, it's why Watt Prep exists is I like to geek out over the strategy and the workouts. I'm realizing how much that carries over into hunting. And, and basically if you don't have a plan, you will, you, you are planning to fail. And that's what happens with a lot of these competitions. Well, it's absolutely what's going to happen in the woods. So. Now that I know you're actually in the woods in a tent, I have so many, so many questions. Well, ask. We got it. We got another couple of minutes. Yeah, we got a little time here. Uh, I'm not going to be here for another month because I'm. How gonna much? Be, how much toilet paper do you have to pack in with you? Blending. I have uh, like three quarters of a roll, and um, and I also have some like biodegradable wet wipes. 
Oh, that's way more than I needed to know. Uh, without going into too much gritty detail, what do you like? Dig a little hole? Like, what do you do? That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. If that's not what you actually do. I'll be honest. No, I'm not, I'm not a hole digger. I just, I mean, all the animals just do it out in the open. So, so, do, so does Ben. I hope Ben gets some poison ivy on his butthole. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Technically, Man. technically a true backpacker, and I've done this before. Don't get me wrong. A true backpacker, you dig a hole, and then you also pack out the uh, the the products that you use. You literally well, carry uh, it out. Yeah, that wouldn't happen. That's absolutely not going to happen. So, are, how much fuel are you bringing in, or do you, are you making fire like cavemen? Uh, I won't make any fires because too high a chance to spook the elk. And most years you're not supposed to have fires. This year has been really wet, so we could probably get away with it, but I'm not going to mess with any fires. Um, and then I have like a little propane burner called a jet boil. And I you can boil water in like like 60 seconds. It boils water. And then I pour the, pour the boiling water inside of my like little uh, freeze-dried meals. And then you stir it up. And then 10 minutes later, it's cooked and ready to go. Sounds delicious. They are freaking delicious. There's actually been, a, there was a time not too long ago where I was like, man, what am I going to have for dinner? And I was like, you know, I could make up one of those free dries, freeze dried meals. And I was just like, no, Ben, that's, that's a new low. Being too lazy to cook meal and actually just eating a freeze dried dinner. Um, that would be a, a total absurd move. You're talking to the guy that'll go to the grocery store and then DoorDash dinner in the same day, you know? Oh, so. Man. Oh, I mean that's it's an average. The, the height, the height of laziness over here. That's cool, dude. I didn't realize this was actually so outdoorsy of you. Oh yeah, I'm like last year. I think I did a the longest stint I did without coming out of the woods. I think it was seven days because you do run out of food. Like if you um, do really long stints, then it's like how much food can you carry in? And since we want to be kind of mobile and like basically like pitch a tent hunt that ridge, hunt that area, pack it back up, move to another ridge. Like we're just going to be jumping mountains basically and not going back to the truck, um, you know, like probably five or six miles deep and just kind of following the elk. And then eventually when you run out of food, because you never run out of water because you have filters and you just take it out. you like, you see a pool of water, you filter it, and then now you have water. You've obviously um, never been to Detroit or Cleveland. <laughs> well, I've, I've had people <laughs> in Detroit or Cleveland use life straws and, and use yeah. Sawyer uh, camping products to help them drink <laughs> the water. Um, and then eventually when we start running low on food, it's like, all right, you know, like tomorrow morning or, you know, this afternoon, let's head back to the truck and you'll go back to the truck. You always just like restock at the truck and then just go back out. Or a lot of times what Gary and I did last year is we would be so tired and demoralized if we get go to the truck, drive into town, eat a cheeseburger, <laughs> and then drive back. Um, <laughs> but we're hunting a lot more remotely this time. So just the dirt road, like I'm on a dirt road for a couple hours, and then the dirt road turns into a four-wheel drive road. And just that four-wheel drive road is an hour and 50 minutes. Um, and then you have to hike in five miles. So I'm, I am back there. Are you guys hunting from tree stands? Or are you uh, no. just always from the ground? So always over ground. ridges and that sort of thing? Yep. The, uh, bow or gun? Bow. Oh, damn, man. <laughs> Talk about making it harder on yourself. Do you have to carry a handgun to hunt there? No. Are you um, allowed to? You should. Yeah, yeah, you definitely can. Uh, my buddy Gary will have his. He'll be strapped. But we're not in grizzly bear country. And so far, we're not in wolf country, although a lot of the idiots um, around me in Denver voted to introduce wolves, even though every biologist said not to. Like, well, wolves, will wolves attack humans? I have no idea. Uh, they're not going to really attack humans. They're going to kill a lot of people's dogs, and they're going to kill a lot of cattle, and they're going to kill a lot of elk for fun. Cause that's what they do. Um, so thank you for everyone who voted to reintroduce wolves in Colorado. You are yeah. stupid and I don't like you unsubscribe now. Yeah. I'm sure we just have a huge influx. Of yeah. People. We're going to have a big falling out. John. Um, no, it's just interesting to me. You know, some States require you to carry guns from, you know, like you're hunting with a bow, you know, I mean, it, obviously that's a weapon, but it's not a very, you know, you it's get gonna stop a grizzly bear very quickly. You, you get one shot and it won't take them down with one shot. Unless you're, you know, 
Green Arrow. Um, yeah, if I hunt in Idaho uh, and Wyoming and Montana, which you know I'm going to sh- go for at least one of those next year, I definitely will be carrying a handgun and, and probably bear spray, but also gun spray. Man, you're so manly, Ben. I, I lead such a calm life, just me and my cat. I'm like a cat lady. You're out here like Grizzly <laughs> Adams. What the hell? Yeah. How did, how did this become my life? I don't know, I don't know man, but uh, obviously – regardless of when the next uh podcast is i'm definitely gonna have some stories for you hopefully it's not yep two days in my truck broke down i'm stranded and i just said screw it and let's do a podcast hopefully i come back in a month with lots and lots of stories i feel like i'm in this relationship with you ben and like you sold yourself on a bill of goods that isn't true like when i first met you you're like oh i drive a tesla bro and i like to snowboard and it's all chill and i also like to ride my bike through the mountains and now you're like yeah i'm driving my huge toyota tundra we hiking through the woods with a handgun on my side and my trusty bow <laughs> like, like, like a different all, person. all the above man all the above i love the love the backpack snowboarding and i also love the backpack hunting and i love my tesla model y performance and i also love my beat up as it was brand new about couple weeks ago it looked brand new but now it is officially a beat up uh (laughs) nissan frontier after a week and a half of driving man well i'm no i'm just impressed just it's it's good you know i like to i like to do things outside of the gym that's something that i think is very 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 important when it comes to crossfit like if it wasn't for crossfit it wasn't for all the training and and things that I've learned in the gym, I definitely would not be able to go and do this outside the gym. And that's why like all of my hunting buddies are avid CrossFitters. So they really go hand in hand because like it just prepares you for everything. It prepares you for the grueling physical and mental challenges that you can face out in the woods, whether you're backcountry snowboarding or um, mountain biking or hunting. Like it just, it, it helps you learn how to deal with high intensity moments long duration moments, um, and just physical pain, basically. Yeah. You'll definitely will have experienced worse than hiking through those woods. You would hope (laughs) for sure. Well, that's cool, man. Well, I'm, I'm never going hunting with you, but I will go fly fishing. I got a message from a buddy of yours as a fly fisher. So we have to talk about that at some point. Yes. The guy that I met at the archery shop, correct? Heck yeah. And he's, he's going to be my best friend because not only did he come up to me and say, Hey, are you, are you Ben? I'm like, yeah. You know, like I met a couple of CrossFitters at, at the archery shop. So I was like, all right, cool. He, he does CrossFit. He's like, I was just listening to scale and bail on the archery range. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's crazy. So he's a big scale and bail fan. And uh, yeah, I'm stoked to go hunting with him. And most importantly, learn how to fly fish with him. And then also, you might have to come hunting with me because I think there's talk that I might try to come visit Cleveland in November so I can do some Wadapalooza training with you. Uh, and hang out with all of your all of your friends, including Tom, who also hunts. What's bringing you to Cleveland? Just you, me? Obviously. Just yeah. me? Okay. Yeah. Come on. Let's do it. It'll be fun. You can train with me. I'll see, see what Cleveland's all about. Uh, dude, I got all kind of trips coming up. I'm looking forward to doing hitting a lot of different affiliates and seeing what people are doing. And then in between there destroying myself with these crazy workouts at Chagrin Falls CrossFit on the weekends and Crooked River during the week. So Nice. Very nice. I'm too old for this shit, bro. Exciting. Well, All right. So when do, you get, when do you get back from your trip? So everyone knows they can tune us out for the next four weeks while me and a guest host are on. <laughs> my, my, I'll put it to you this way. I blocked out my calendar until October 1st. I've canceled oh, wow. all meetings and everything until October 1st. There is a chance definitely that I'll, come out for a few days here or there. If there is one that happens to be on a Monday, I'll hit you up. Um, but as of, as soon as this, actually I have a couple meetings tomorrow morning, but as soon as those meetings are over, then it's hunting only mode until October one. I think the listeners, people watch this on YouTube were hoping you'd dial in from the woods, like the Blair Witch Project, you know, you'd be like under a tarp. Yeah. I think he's coming for me. If you I know. had, if I had service, I could maybe do it, but <laughs> there's, there's no service Anywhere near where I am. You got the life, bro. You have the life. I love it. I'm jealous. You'll enjoy it. We'll have, um, who, who's going to be on? CJ and Joe? Maybe Joe? 
we're gonna try to get on some some of the coaches from wide prep and uh i'm gonna get on uh jen and tom from b2 human that are helping with some of this nutrition stuff and talk about the actual science behind what they're doing rather than just all the stuff that you spew yeah besides me just talking about how to chug down peanut butter to get to the fat ratio (laughs) um and then what about um uh dave from rx mark here Yep, we're going to have Dave from Arc Smart Gear he on. Just, talk. I just got a package. I believe it's it's their beaded rope because he saw a video that I posted of me using like a heavy cable. And he's like, no, 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 don't do that for double under crossovers. Well, so, it may be because I messaged him. Um, when did I message him? Right after our, maybe our last episode where I you know I told you somebody had sent me a DM and and said they weren't going to try RX's uh crossover they wanted you to do it and so i was telling him we gave him a shout out on the show oh gosh so now you got a new rope so now you can prove you're better than him you're good well i mean i'm i'm definitely not good at him i'm i tried them for the first time ever the other day i was able to get a few done on playing around with the rope length and how like i had a problem where i wasn't really extending my arms across my body but like once i started picking up on patterns i was able to do them and then i had to stop shooting videos but I'm excited to to try them with the beaded rope that Dave sent me. So you know what we should do sometime. I, I know this is a very random thought. And we need to wrap up, but we need to figure out how to get your webcam into your gym. I could do that and easy do, and do the podcast that way, and you can demonstrate some of these movements for people. I think that'd be I, cool. I could do that easy peasy. I could do it right with my laptop and just slide it right into the studio, get the lighting on, and zero chance I'll do that in my home gym. So it's all going to be you, bro. All all you. Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'd be totally down to do that in October. All right. When you're back, after you've harvested all the elk you can harvest. Depending on how the season goes, I might just never come back. I might just be like, hey, John, I'm out, and then just like go live in the woods the rest of my life. Wait, how many tags do you have? Just one? Just one. But I'm... So if you go on day one, you're, you're going to be back before October. Uh, no, I'll be out there with, with Gary trying to fill his tag, and then if miraculously we fill two tags somehow – then in theory, yes, I could be back early until my brother gets out on the 19th. But I've been doing pre-scouting for him. So uh, I'd just say don't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't I'm going not there. very good at it yet. Let's I just say I, I've seen your record. <laughs> I was, yeah. I'm not holding my breath. You'll be fine. You never I'm know. Owing one. I'm on one so far. So And Gary's on three. So hopefully we can bring it home. All right. Well, fingers crossed. Well, good luck. Stay safe. Thank you. And uh, for everyone listening, you know, I think we've said it. I'm going to say it this week, like, and subscribe, uh, hit us up on your, if you're watching this on YouTube, hit us up on your favorite app. We're on all the channels, Spotify, Google, Apple, you name it. We're on it. Uh, go subscribe there so you can get the most recent content. We'll have some guest hosts over the next three or four weeks. And then Ben will be back in October. So for everyone listening, appreciate you guys joining and we'll chat with you guys soon. Peace.